0: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Pastors Sid and Jen are uh, on, maybe en route coming from Ohio. All their family flew in from Alaska, Missouri, and they all got to be together for a few days this past week. So um, he extends and says, Hap, or, a blessed, healthy, and joyful New Year to everyone. <laughs> Amen. So take that. Take it, just take it. It's a great blessing, amen? Do you know the best is yet to come? If you are in Christ, the best is yet to come. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And we are excited about what's coming and what's in front of us. By the way, I think we have a new little person in the church I think our church has multiplied this week. Heather and Shannon, Amanda Grace, right? Congratulations. Let's just congratulate them. (laughs) Thanks for uh, growing the church. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the first uh, time together in the first of the year, and uh, I couldn't think of anything better to talk to you about and my most favorite subject. And what do you think that is? That's right. <laughs> so turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, if you would please. You know me well. Praise the Lord. Genesis 1 26, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion and rule over the fish and the sea and over everything, everything that God created. God gave man dominion. Say this, God gave me dominion because he did. Genesis chapter two, let's look at verse 15 and 17. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden and dressed it and to keep it. Number one, God gave man an assignment. Look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Number two, he gave him a commandment. Look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Number three, God gave man choice. Why did God give man choice? Because love always gives choice. Satan, his operation is control and manipulation. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is not one good thing in him, but love, God is love, and love always gives a choice. So, we come to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord and God had made. And he said to the woman. Now remember, the woman was not yet created when God gave Adam the command not to eat of the tree. You can look in verse um, 18. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helpmate. She wasn't born yet. So now the serpent is coming to Eve and says to the woman, has God really said? See, this is what the serpent does to each and every one of us. He asks a question. Did God really say that to you? What he does is he brings into question the very integrity of God's word in your heart. He's very good at that. Eve didn't hear it firsthand from God. The command Adam did, so she heard it secondhand. And herein is the danger of not spending personal time with the Lord in the Word of God to hear His voice for you and the direction of your life. It's not about hearing from the pulpit. It's all good, but it does not. It's a It should never be a substitute for you spending time with your personal Lord and Savior to read the will of your Father for your life personally. Amen? That's a really good, um, if you're looking for some New Year goals, it's to put aside a specific time, whether it be a half hour or if you have more than that, every day to read the Word of God and ask the Father by his Holy Spirit to open up revelation to you. It's really amazing what the Lord will do. There's so much he wants to give us. So the Bible is a personal love letter to you. We know what happened with Adam and Eve. They disobeyed. The blame game began, by the way. Adam blames his wife. His wife blames the serpent. (laughs) And God dealt with all three. But I want us to specifically look in, Gen- in Genesis 3, verse 15. God is addressing the serpent, the serpent Satan. And he said, I will put hostility between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, what this all means is here God is already speaking out his rescue plan for humanity right off in Genesis. Satan, you will strike at Jesus' heel, the seed of the woman, Jesus, uh, refers to Satan repeatedly, uh, the repeated attempts of defeating Jesus through his whole entire life. And he, Jesus, shall strike you on your head, foreshadowing Satan's defeat on the cross and the resurrection. God was already revealing his plan to defeat Satan and to offer salvation to all of mankind. Amen. Long before you were ever born, Revelations thirteen eight says, the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Jesus was that lamb. And in Revelations 5, 9, for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood of, by the blood of the lamb, out of every kindred tongue, and people, and nation. That covers everybody on the earth. Salvation has been set in motion by the word of God. But even God had to put it in action. This was all done before the foundations of the earth. It was the word of the Lord, but even he had to bring it to pass. And in John three sixteen, he did. For God so loved the world, he gave or he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him, come on, finish it, would not perish, but have everlasting life. So God acted in faith. And I have uh, Hebrews 10. Where did I put that book? Here it is. I want to read it from this version. If you'll turn to, uh, in your Bibles, Hebrews 10, We're going to start at verse 5. In verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The old covenant was not good enough. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then he said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them although the law required them to be made. Then he said, this is Jesus, here I am, I have come to do your will. Isn't he our example? He sets aside the first to establish the second. That was setting aside the first covenant for the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, our high priest, Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for us, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Who is that? You and I. Amen. Jesus. Why was a body necessary for Jesus? Do you ever think about that? Why did Jesus need a body? Well, I thought of two things you might think of more, but one of them is uh, a body represents authority, dominion, rulership on the earth today. Number two is God needed to legally come into the earth in order to legally take back everything Satan stole from the first Adam. So legally he had to come as a human being. In John 3, 3, it says, ex- Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, let's just go there. Turn there. You all have your Bibles here tonight? Amen. John 3, 3, 3, 3, And it says, Nicodemus, the rabbi, came to Jesus and said, no man can do these miracles um, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this perplexed Nicodemus. And he said, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of blood or and of the spirit, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the birth of Jesus happened as a baby because Jesus had illegally come into the world through the womb of a woman. Through the water of a womb. Now, we may have thought, what? many years ago, but today with the technology that is advancing at next speed, you know, just so fast. Every day you wake up something new. They're actually building robots that look like humans, talk like humans, act like humans. Those are all being done right now as I speak. The day is coming where you can buy a robot that's like a human, but those humans, those robots will never be able to be redeemed. They never can be saved because they never came legally into the earth through the womb of a woman, the water of a woman. Amen. So enters the birth of Jesus and we've just come from this season of Christmas where Christians all over the world celebrate the day that Jesus was born. Satan has tried to undermine and distract and taken away the value and the importance of this day, hasn't he? He's brought in a lot of distractions. However, for 2,000 years, uh, it still speaks on the night that Jesus Christ was born a baby. Amen? And John 1.14, let's all turn there together. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, by the word. And without him was nothing, anything made that was made. In him the word was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Couldn't figure out Jesus. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to the light. This is speaking of John the Baptist. That, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. But as many as received him, to, him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse 29, John the Baptist, seeing Jesus, said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You know, Jesus was not created, um, an adult like God created Adam. Now, I've meditated on the life of Jesus, and the 30 years are very silent in the word. But we know some things, you know, when he was in the temple at 12 years old, it says that he grew and developed in stature and wisdom. I think about the importance of him starting off as an infant in the womb of a mother and going through all the stages of development, an infant, a baby, a toddler, uh, an adolescent, a child and an adolescent and a young adult, and then a full human being, a full man. Why did Jesus do it that way? Well, Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5.21 says that he had to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was our perfect example, no matter where your stage of life is. Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Praise the Lord. God became a human in Jesus Christ. The incarnation, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God among us. John 1.14, that's John 1.14 for all you LTS students out there. <laughs> he did not have a sin nature. He took on a human nature. He was a complete sinless human personality. Jesus is the eternal God who became flesh and blood. The incarnation was the uniting of the divine and the human into one being, one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. You know, we're all sitting here and all these scriptures, we're saying yes and amen to. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Can you explain why you believe what you believe? Super important that you do. Philippians 2, we're going to look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, the very nature of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even unto death, even the death of the cross. This was a thought and decided long before the foundations of the earth, long before you were born again. This was the greatest expression of the Father's love for each one of us. God emptied himself into all of humanity he became the god man god poured into man he emptied himself into us you know we, we think that he emptied himself of the glory of heaven but he really emptied himself into you he gave all he had he poured out and made available all that he is and all that he has psalms 81:11 says no good thing will he withhold from from those who walk upright before him. 2nd Peter chapter 1, let's go there. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. 2nd Peter chapter 1, verse 2, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord." See, it's not just important to read the word and know the word and memorize the word. That's all important. But equally is to get to know the God of the word. Jesus Christ is a person. He speaks. He listens. Amen. And he is the living word. So the knowledge of the word is the knowledge of the person of Jesus. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly. Oh, I love that word. Exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So all things have been given us given to us pertaining to life and godliness. That is a truth. Do you believe it? It is not it's again, it's enough when you're in the word of God, ask the Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus to you. So salvation has been released upon the earth to all, but it is a personal decision each one of us must make in our hearts. John 3.16 says, Whosoever believeth on the name of Jesus shall not perish and have eternal life. We're all, we're all a whosoever on the earth today, aren't we? Amen. This is a decision of the heart. It's a life change. It's a life exchange. And turn to Ezekiel 36, and we'll show you what the prophet saw what was going to happen. This salvation, this beautiful salvation. And he says in verse 26, this is a word of the Lord, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of love, of freshness, of joy. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And I will ke- and, and you will keep my judgments and do them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are to behold all things new that our born-again experience gave us. We are to forget the past, we are to let go of the old nature, and now behold the new and what Jesus did for us. Our become new is really, if you look it up in the Strongs, is present progressive. Because Jesus justifies you in your born-again experience, but sanctification is a process. Amen? Amen? It's a process. And you can have as much of Jesus as you want. You can process and progress and and leave people in in the smoke because you're wanting more and more of Jesus. Amen? That's entirely up to you. This decision is not a flippant one. Salvation has come at a great price and it bears thoughtful consideration of what it really means to you personally. Is it just a ticket to heaven? Is it just escaping hell? Is it being a part of a church and a social group? Is it a career? Is it status? What does this great salvation mean? mean to you personally. You know, as we begin this new year and look forward to the freshness of the new year that stands ahead of us, I'm going to ask you to look back and not look back at 2020, but look back at the cross and what Jesus did on that cross and what that means to you personally today. Let's put ourselves in remembrance what Jesus has done. The cross. It's hard to imagine a more hideous form of capital punishment that happened in the days of the Roman Empire. The scourging, the loss of blood, the shock from the pain that it produced, the intense agony ending at last in suffocation, cardiac arrest, or loss of blood. The cross was a symbol of reproach, disgust, repungent, obscene. It was used to humiliate as well as to kill. Worse than the pain of the cross was the shame of the cross. It robbed a man of his dignity to the very core. It branded him as a curse by God. Jesus died not only for the guilt of our sins, but for the shame of our sins. Glory to God. John 10, verses 17 through 18, it says, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power and the authority to willingly lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment I have been given from my Father. Let's look at what the cross has done for you and I. Isaiah 53. Let's turn there. Isaiah 53, 6. This is all about Jesus. It is a description of Jesus Surely he bore our griefs and our sorrows, He and we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Yet it pleased the Father to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their my iniquity. Therefore, because he has poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors and he bared the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressor. Do you put yourself in these scriptures and these verses and see what Jesus did for you personally? Turn to Hebrews, if you would please, chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 26. Jesus should become more and more dear to each one of us as every day goes by, as we're seeing the world fall apart, as we're seeing the end of days We're seeing the book of Revelations being opened before us. Our faith and what we really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ should become more and more precious to each one of us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking up? It's a good question. Are you making yourself ready as the bride? And many that look for him, shall, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Hallelujah. Christ's death removed our sin and guilt, and he placed it, your sin, my sin, upon himself. Turn to Romans chapter 3. What does the cross mean to you? Romans 3, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation or a substitute for our torment through the faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Well, Jesus is our perpetuation. This speaks of the removal of God's wrath, not only the removal of our sin, but God's wrath is removed from you as well. God's not mad at you. I'll say that again. God's not mad at you. Even if you blow it and you know it, God's not mad at you. Everything, all sin, past, present, and future has been laid on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Now, when you blow it or sin that affects your relationship with the father. It doesn't affect his relationship with you as a child of God. And when we sin, there is a need to repent, to restore fellowship back from our point vertical. So don't ever think you can sail through life because Jesus took upon your sins past, present, and future. You don't have to repent. No, you do have to repent. It was the first thing, the last thing John the Baptist talked about and the first thing that Jesus talked about in his ministry is to repent. Don't ever hesitate to repent when you know you have sinned. Amen? Can, every, can I hear a big amen on that? Amen. Praise the Lord. So important. What else did Jesus do? In Romans 5, 10, 11... It says, for if when we were enemies, say enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as one man's sin entered into the world, that's Adam, And the death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Verse 17. For if one man's offense death reigned by one. Much more. They that receive abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. Shall reign in the life by one. Jesus Christ. Therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to, con- to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Glory to God. Jesus brought us reconciliation. We were enemies of God. Because of our sins, we were alienated. We were separated from God the Father. But his death removed this alienation and brought reconciliation back between the Father and us. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Jesus and the death brought redemption. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, and I like to make it very personal and say, for me. He was made a curse for me. Curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Romans 3.24, and it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. For you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because of our, because of uh, what Jesus did for us, we are now justified. As a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. For inasmuch as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. From your vain conversation, received by tradition, from your fathers, see, tradition of men make the word of God of none effect. Amen. But you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was ordained before the foundations of the world but was made manifest in these last days for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 20 says, you've been bought with a price. How many of you know you've been bought with a price? A big, costly price. And it says, since you've been bought with a Christ, we, since you've been bought with a Christ, bit with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Have you been bought with a price? If you answered yes, then the word of the Lord is then glorify God in your body. Doesn't say glorify God in your spirit. Doesn't say glorify God in your soul. It says glorify him in your body. What is your body? Your eyes, your ears, your hands. It's that lump of clay sitting on that seat right now. That's your body. God is saying, if you've been bought with a price, then glorify me in your body. It's a powerful word. What else did Jesus do? Let's turn to Colossians 1. On the cross for you and I. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 3. Giving thanks unto our Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath, hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. See, once upon a time in your life before Christ, you belonged to the father Satan. He was your father. You were a really good sinner, so was I. But that day you got born again, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The greatest miracle on the face of the earth. Satan fights every human being in this salvation issue. He doesn't want to lose you. But now that he has, and say he has, (laughs) he has a fight in a different way. Turn to Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. And having spoiled principalities, having disarmed principalities, having defeated, de de-everything. Jesus de-everythinged the devil, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and he made a show of them openly. He shamefully displayed his trophy of defeating Satan and all of the demons of hell and triumphing over them. Jesus did that for you. Amen? In Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you, say, that's me, power and authority over all the works and power of the enemy. Now, is Jesus a liar? Is this scripture true? Did he give you power and authority over all, everybody say all, all the works of the enemy? Yes, he did. So if Satan is defeated, he is a defeated foe, he's powerless, has no authority. Why is he messing with you? Would you like to know the answer to that? Because you're the one with the dominion. It's more your flesh than really the devil. The devil can come in and exasperate and oppress you and tempt you. He can. He can do all that. But he's just looking to see if you know you have more power than him. He's already shut down. It is really you dealing with your flesh. Say, my flesh. It's you saying, No to your flesh, to the lust of the eye, to the lust of the world, to the pride of life. It's you as a human being with dominion saying no. Amen. That'll free you right there. Everybody say no. No. Say it again. Say it again. Like you mean it. Amen. That's your dominion against the enemy. He is defeated. He has no power over you. You are the master of your body. You are the one who calls the shots. You are the one who willfully sins and does not glorify the God who paid a high price for your salvation. You say me. See, when you take responsibility for your life and you acknowledge that you're the problem, not your mom and dad, not your husband or wife, not your boss, no me. I'm the problem. Now you set yourself up for real freedom, repentance. That's the real freedom in acknowledging and taking personal responsibility for your own life. No, I've messed up. I've made bad decisions. I brought myself to this place. And when you can humble yourself and get yourself to a place like that and repent before a God who's listening to you, seeing all, all the time, now you allow him to come into your life and set you free. Amen. This is a powerful message that the church needs to really get a hold of. Stop blaming. See, the blame game is all that is. It's blaming someone else for your actions, for your problems. And when you blame someone else, you literally put yourself in a prison cell. You lock the door and you throw that person or those circumstances the key. And you say, if they don't change, I can't change. Now you're not the master of your life. You've given it over to someone else. Maybe even Satan. Amen or oh me? The truth is, you are free. You're um, the master of your body. Jesus says, glorify me in your body now that I have paid the price for your freedom. Jesus is our substitute. He died in our place, and he took the wrath, the penalty of our sins. It was all laid upon him. That's in 1 Peter 2.24. Amen. So Jesus was born. He had to be. Born of a woman. He died on the cross. He died for you and I. He satisfied the penalty in the Father's heart for all of our sins. Look around. Just look around this church. But he died for all the sins of the world. It was all laid upon the cross, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he willingly did that. So now Jesus was born, he died, he was buried, now what? What? He rose again from the dead, the great resurrection. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if this in this life only, or Paul actually wrote this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ raised from the dead, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive and he's alive in me. Say that. He's alive in me. We're not serving a dead God we're serving a live God. Amen. John 11, 25, 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's your eternal salvation. Do you believe this? Amen. Luke 24, 6, and 7. He is not here. He is, he is risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Even the disciples did not understand this revelation when it happened. First Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us the new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty one says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Romans 6, 5, and 6 says, If, if we have been united with him in death like his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection, like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, John G. Lake, let's turn our Bibles to John 20, if, you're going, if you've got your Bibles. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I'm going to tell you a story about John G. Lake, but let's turn our Bibles to John 20. (laughs) John G. Lake. Have you heard of the man? All right. He, um, tells the story of a revelation that really bears witness to me about in John 20, the story of the third day when the tomb, the stone on the tomb was rolled away And Mary came there and she saw the stone taken away. This is in verse one. Then she ran and to talk to Jesus, to to Peter and to Paul and said, they, they have taken the stone. They've taken Jesus away. So Peter and John came running toward the tomb. Peter, John came first, but knelt down at at the entrance of the tomb, Peter went right in, and stooping down, John, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not enter in. Then came Peter, the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in place by itself. Then went also that other disciple, speaking of John, which came first to the tomb, and he saw and he believed. What did John see? John G. Lake said, um, John, the Baptist John, had gone in and saw the the grave clothes. If he had saw them cut in half or shredded apart by an animal that, uh, you know, ate through it all. Because remember, in the embalming days of back in the Roman Empire, what they did is they brought a hundred pounds of spices and thin linen cloth, and they wrapped the toe, and they wrapped the foot, and they wrapped the leg, and they wrapped each part of the body, and then they wrapped the entire body together. And adding those uh, spices, it, what it did is it shrunk the, the cloth, and it became hard within four hours, It was like an encasement of cement around the body. So what did John see? And why did he believe? What he saw on the inside is that it was a cocoon. The encasement of all these linens and all these spices were intact. They weren't destroyed at all. And in an hour's time, the whole city of Jerusalem was stirred to its foundation. All that day, the empty co- cocoon preached and told the story that Jesus had risen from the dead. It went on day after day, week after week. Forty days later, over 500 men saw him ascend at Mount Olive. There was no other subject talked about more, more than this. Then fifty days later, another staggering thing happened. The mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit filled 120 men and women as they began to speak in tongues, glorifying God, telling of the resurrection of Jesus. Peter speaks out, and 3,000 Jews get saved. Ananias and Sapphira, remember the ones who pronounced the death of Jesus? Could they have stopped this whole thing by saying we have the body of Jesus. We stole it. Do you know that that story was spoken out and still to this day believed by some Jews? But they never raised their voice. They never said that because in their heart they knew that Jesus truly was raised from the dead. Amen. So so all these people, 2,000, 5,000 get saved, including the Jewish priesthood. The Bible says that the whole earth was turned upside down. Then they had Peter and John arrested. Now turn to Acts. Hallelujah. Book of Acts, we're going to look at verse 3. Peter and John are telling the story of Jesus. So many people are getting saved and turning everything upside down in Jerusalem. Now in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 6, Peter said to this lame man, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise up and walk. And immediately he stood up on his feet and his ankles received strength. Everybody was giving God all the glory. And they said, well, they started bowing before Peter and John. And they said in verse 12, why marvel at this? Why do you look so earnestly on us? As though by our power or holiness, we've made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of fathers has delivered, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you have delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. God is raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And through his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Glory to God. Acts 4, verses 8 through 11. Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost, he's now talking to the rulers of the people. He said, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other than the name under heaven given to among men whereby we must be saved. Peter had a lot of boldness. And he continued to say in verse 18, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it be right in your sight, Peter says, of God, we're hearkening to you or hearken unto God. We're going to hearken unto God. Peter and all the disciples understood that Jesus had left In physical form. But he left his name which had dynamite in it. The name will raise the dead. It will heal the sick. It will cast down demons. The name. It is Jesus again on the earth. Hallelujah. He has given us the legal right to use his name. Life is in the power of your tongue. We have the resurrection life of God. Can the worship team come up, please? We have the resurrection life of God in our spirit today. Our spirit man has already been resurrected. If you are truly in Christ, we have been raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. That's our position. It's not groveling down here fighting off the devil. He is under our feet. You were made to have dominion in your body. You were made to make the choice to glorify God in your body on a daily basis. Not once, not twice, but daily. Why? Because you're a child of the living God. Everything you need to live an empowered, victorious, overcoming life As a child of God has been given to you. Last scripture, turn to Colossians 3. It's already been given. You don't have to look around or think you got to get filled up. You're already filled with everything that you need to walk in victory. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are... Where? Above. Where Christ sitted at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on this earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, and covetousness, and idolatry, for which sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in which you have also walked sometime. You were there one day, and you lived in all that, but not now, not as a born-again child of God. Put off these things, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge of the Lord and the image of him that created you. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness and humbleness of mind meekness long-suffering forbearing with one another forgiving one another if any man has a quarrel against you even as christ has forgiven you and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of maturity And let the peace of God rule in your heart. You've got to let that. And to which also we are called into one body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. In teaching. In admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns. Spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus christ giving thanks unto our god the father by him this is our mandate for this new year there is so much in this chapter colossians 3 I'm encouraging you to read it and read it over again and read it again and pray in the Holy Spirit while you're reading it. Let it become you. Let it become the new you. Putting off the old man, the body of flesh and putting on that glorified body, the body that glorifies Jesus in word and in deed. The Lord is looking for an empowered, triumphant church. And that starts with you amen that starts with you is there anyone here tonight and i really don't know but is there anyone here tonight that has never made jesus christ the lord and savior of their life if if you are here tonight and that's never happened or you don't know if that's happened you really don't know can you just raise your hand please This is really a safe place a place of love where we really want we're committed to your success as a man or woman of God we want to see you walk in the goodness of the Lord and if tonight if there's any of you sitting here and you've heard the Word of God and you know in your heart you haven't been living for the Lord you say with your lips that he is my Lord and Savior but Your actions are not manifesting that. You struggle with the sin in the flesh. Tonight's your night to get free. During our worship time, just lift your hands before the Lord. Repent that you have been weak in this and that you want to be strong. And ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. Where every day, every moment of every day, you can walk glorifying God in the body. Amen. Let's all stand together. Can you do the first song, John? Are the you first able one. to? The first one you did. The first one we did. The Spirit of the Lord. Sure, why not? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Is the Spirit of the Lord in you? Is he strong in you? Amen. I believe that. Let's worship together and thank the Lord, the Father, for Jesus and all that he did for you and I. Okay? Ever spoken we have a good good father a father that sent his only begotten son Jesus Christ who obeyed the will of the father who came to take away all your sins and mine to redeem us back to reconcile us back to the father that we would be in sweet communion with God our Heavenly Father and not just this day but the days to come and then for all of eternity You are empowered by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've been made more than a conqueror. You are victorious in all your ways. Go forth this 2021 doing great exploits as a triumphant church using the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be blessed we have time downstairs with a little bit of food for fellowship come and join us God bless you each and every one thank you for coming we appreciate it that music is great. (laughs) Welcome and good evening everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International. Glad you're all here tonight. Praise the Lord. Do you know that we are living in the afterglow of the greatest battle ever fought in the history of mankind? And that battle is when Jesus Christ defeated Satan uh, at Calvary on the cross amen and we live in that psalms 47 is a great psalm it starts off oh clappy hands all ye people shout for god with a voice of triumph for the lord most high he is so awesome he's a great king over all the earth he shall subdue the people under us praise the lord and the nations under our feet God has got up with a shout and the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. That's our future, by the way. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises four times in one scripture. God is saying, sing praises. And do you know that's for you, not for him? How many of you know that? When you sing praises, it's a spiritual weapon that Satan hates. You create an atmosphere where God can inhabit and bring victory into your life. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over all the heathen. God sitteth on the throne with his holiness. He is greatly exalted. Well, let's stand together tonight as family here. church of the word and let's exalt our god together give him all the praise and all the glory for he is certainly worthy of it amen all your promises lord are yes and amen Yes, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus is alive. He's alive in me. Say that. Jesus is alive in me. Glory to God. We thank you. Father, we just bless you. We exalt you. We glorify you. We lift you up. We say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name bless the name of the Lord and forget not all his benefits. What are some of his benefits? He's forgiven me of all my sins. Has he forgiven you of all your sins, all iniquity? He's redeemed your life from destruction, from the pit of hell. He's healed you of all your sicknesses and diseases and he fills your mouth with good things. So that Your youth will be renewed as the eagles. So much more. Father, we just thank you for tonight, our time together that is blessed, filled with your anointing. We thank you that our hearts are open to receive your word tonight, Father. We thank you that our ears are open to receive the revelation that you have for me personally. Jesus, we give you all the praise and glory for you are deserving of it all. In Jesus' name. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Can I have everyone who is going to Citygate, Lancaster or Columbia to come on up here and stand for a few minutes? All of you who are coming, come on up. Come on up. We've got Lancaster, Columbia. We've got Mim's downstairs. Somebody else is down there. So come on over, close by, everybody. This is our local ministry, for those of you who don't know that. Uh, we go once a month to Lancaster and Columbia, where we feed the poor. In Columbia, we bag our lunches, which Mim and Cindy are very faithful in doing every single month. We're very grateful for that. And God has been faithful to bless our local ministry. There's never been a time that we haven't had at least one person get saved. At one, one, amen, one Saturday there was actually five. So this is a a local ministry that uh, God is involved in. And we really encourage you to be a part of that. If you've not ever come out, there'll be a sign-up sheet for February's. And we really encourage you to get your feet wet, get out of your box, and be the feet on the sidewalk. Um, it's been life-changing for a lot of people who have uh, been continually going. Greg, thanks for the first time coming. We appreciate it. So, um, yeah, amen. See? Alex, I'm going to ask you to pray for everybody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Amen. All right, well, uh,
1: for us? For all of us, oh, yeah. For all of us, all right, well...
0: Father God, I just thank you
1: for bringing us here today and giving us a chance to be able to go out and minister to people. You know, it, it, it is nerve-wracking the first couple of times to go talk to people, but
0: every time it just gets better. And yeah. the more you do, it just it's it, it, it gets better. He, there's no words to describe how, how awesome it is. Um, so, Lord, I just ask you to bless our time once we go out and the prayers that we get in for going out and praying and talking to people. I just, I just thank you. So, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you all so amen. very much. You know, this is a great commission. You know, we see all the flags that are on this building of all the nations that have been impacted by Church of the Word International. But this is a local mission, and it's still the Great Commission, where God is sending his people out, there's a lot of people in Columbia and Lancaster that need to hear the good news. Amen. So I really encourage you to sign up for next uh, month. And actually, if you want to come even tomorrow, 1115 in Columbia, just show up. City Gate, Just put it in your, your GPS and just show up. We would love to have you. Amen. So um, the announcements, I hope you all have a bulletin. Did you get one? When you came in, this kind of keeps you on top of what's going on here at the church, but we have a foundations class that starts next Saturday uh, evening at 5 p.m. So an hour before church, it will be starting downstairs. If you're interested, please see Josh. Josh, raise your hand, and he uh, will—is there a sign-up sheet in the back, Deb? No. No. So see Josh if you're interested in signing up for the— The foundation class. Most, most important on this bulletin is right now, downstairs, is a sign-up time for the next uh, foundational home groups. So if you've been attending a home group, you still need to sign up again. And if you want to stay in that home group, sign up in that home group. Um, If you haven't been to a home group, boy, you're missing out. There's so much fun and engaging, and it's like a circle within a circle, a family within a family. So please uh, look at all the different locations, and downstairs Debbie will have the table and the sign-up sheet as well. Coming up January 6th, that's I think Wednesday, there is a big, big thing going on in our government. Probably you're all aware of it, the Senate uh, elections and the electoral uh college is going to be decided. And this is a very critical day in our government and really in America, which is going to affect our lives in a critical way. I cannot um, encourage you more to be in prayer, praying in the spirit. And I really would encourage you to be fasting I'm sure the Lord has led some of you to be fasting right now. That's a humbling before the Lord. It's a crying out before God that God really gets involved in what happens on January 6th. So please uh, be encouraged to be praying for that. Um, amen. Super important. So uh, Josh, will you come up and receive
1: the tithes and offerings for us? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 9. It's a section talking about the cheerful giver. Uh, do we get excited about giving tithes? Do we get excited about giving and sowing? Uh, I, I know oftentimes when, when, the, uh, when it's time to take the offering, there's usually a cheer right behind me. Uh, from Gene, from and I always, I, that's always encouraging to me. Uh, you know, we, we serve a God who, who has set up a law of sowing and reaping. Amen. And here he talks about, uh, but this I say in verse 6, But this I say, he who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. This purpose in his, in his heart is it's a decision of our will. Uh, not when we 're purposing something in our heart it 's not an immediate decision, so if you 're feeling if you 're hearing on the radio and there 's pressure to give, listen to that inner witness the on the inside before you just give to every need out there because in the media age that we live in, there are needs good ministries, but across the board you could you could give to every ministry out there and never stop giving uh, so Decide in your heart how you want to sow, not just where you want to sow, but how you want to sow, and let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. So, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This word cheerful means good-natured, joyfully ready. The word describes a spirit of empowerment in giving that sweeps away all restraints. And if we believe that God uh, in the law of sowing and reaping, do we, do we really believe that? You know, one thing that I often ask the impact kids is do you really believe, and, and the young adults, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And so do we believe this law of sowing and reaping? Am I quick to sow? Am I quick to give bountifully so that therefore I can reap bountifully? And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace. His grace empowers us to be able to live for Him and and to, to fulfill His will. And one of His wills is being a giver. And we know that because His love for us chose to give his son the greatest thing of value that he had was to give his son you know it's easy to give the things that we that we don't use anymore like there's a food drive happening and and you well this this has been in my cupboard for for a year and a half now we're probably not going to eat that let's give that you know that is that is that the kind of attitude that god gave with uh is that the kind of attitude i want to give with well i don't need that anymore so so i'm going to give this um So he's able to empower us with his grace uh, to make all grace abound toward us. This word abound is is, uh, the the Greek word that's used to superabound, have in excess, greatly surpass, excel. To superabound. Not just abound, but to superabound, to have excess. That's the kind of God that we serve. Moving on to uh, verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You know, oftentimes when when we take an offering, we'll often pray that God multiplies the seed that's sown. So he will multiply the seed that we give to a ministry so it's like they're getting more than we're actually giving he can multiply that seed but what's awesome about that is you know the law of sowing and reaping says if you sow you will reap more than you've sown you know if you, if you put if you put a seed in the ground you don't just it doesn't just produce one seed it produces fruit and then multiple seeds and so so god will multiply the seed that we give but then that also multiplies back to us because it's like we've given more and that law will produce more of a return than your one seed did because God increased the seed that you gave. Does that make sense? Amen. Oh. God. <clears throat> While you are enriched in everything for all liberta- liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So, it doesn't just apply to money. When, when we sow the ministry that we're sowing to is thankful for that. And they've increased, we've increased, and then we're thankful for that. And so just sowing just produces more thankfulness and praise to the Lord. So as we give, as we sow, let's have a cheerful heart and, and look forward to it and look, look for opportunities. Lord, where can I give next? Where do you want me to give now? How much do you want me to give what can I do with the seed that you've been blessing me with? Give me more seed that I can be more of a blessing, and so more. Good. Does anybody need an envelope for their giving? Do we have ushers? If you're writing a check, make it out to CWI. Uh, if you're using credit card, please fill in all the information. If you don't know an amount, we'll pray for an amount. Just leave it blank. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You are such a good God. We thank you that, that when we sow into your kingdom, that you, you just bless us so abundantly, Father, and that you give us more seed to sow. Let us remember that, that you love a cheerful giver. And that, that we should have an attitude of cheerfulness towards giving. Just an excitement and an op- looking for opportunities to sow into your kingdom, Father. I thank you for the, the seed that is being sowed. I ask you to increase and multiply it to the, to the church, but then also to each one of us, Father. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Josh, thank you very much. Good, encouraging word of sewing.